If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Hey there, leading ladies. Welcome to the Women Physicians Lead Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Herbert, a two-time best-selling author, speaker, family physician, and executive leadership coach with over 20 years experience of providing primary care and serving as a healthcare leader. If you are a woman physician ready to make a change in your career and have a seat at the leadership table, then you are in the right place. I'm excited to provide you with the crucial skills you need to be a successful leader and strategies to deal with workplace challenges. So put on your headphones and listen as we explore the new world of building women physician leaders. Hello, leading ladies, and welcome back to another episode of Women Physicians Lead. In this new podcast series, I will be focusing on women physicians on the front line. My goal with this series is to highlight the amazing work of women physicians, talk about the challenges that we face, and educate the community about the current strain on the healthcare system. I am your host, Dr. Lisa Herbert, a board-certified family physician, best-selling author, speaker, and executive leadership coach. And I am here as your coach, your cheerleader, and your biggest supporter in your career in physician leadership. Today, I am interviewing Dr. Stephanie, and Dr. Stephanie is an academic anesthesiologist a life coach for women physicians, and a mother of two amazing daughters. She is dedicated to physician wellness and gender equality for all women. So without further ado, Dr. Stephanie, welcome to the Women Physicians Lead Podcast. I'm so honored to have you as a guest today. Thank you. I am very honored to be here and looking forward to talking with you. Wonderful, wonderful. When I decided to do this podcast series on women physicians on the front line, it obviously came from what we're currently going through in this healthcare system, and that is really dealing with the pandemic. And um, this pandemic has affected women physicians in terms of work-life balance, in terms of now really work extra hours, being pulled into sometimes responsibilities and duties that they may not have had in the past. And it's really causing a lot of women physicians to contemplate or sometimes even take the step to leave medicine. I really wanted to highlight some of the work that women physicians are doing, but also talk with those who are on the front lines, who are also witnessing sort of what's going on during this pandemic. Thank you again for being here. Yes, thank you. The first question I have for you, Dr. Stephanie, is I always just like to sort of give a little bit of background of my guests. And one of the things I really like to ask is sort of who or what was instrumental in your decision in terms of your career and your leadership journey? My career as a physician, my sister will tell you that when I was like three or four years old, I always just said I wanted to be a doctor. But I know that probably one of the biggest things was that I was sick as a child. 
child and in the hospital a lot. And I think that that is one of the reasons that people go into healthcare. There's like four reasons I think that people become caretakers. And that is one of them. I was sick as a child, but I also became a caretaker at a young age. My mom worked a lot. She was a single parent and I sort of assumed the role as the parent when I was very young. And then going through being an anesthesiologist, I've just been very fortunate to be in a lot of great situations where I had a lot of leadership role and still do, but have also become a life coach for women physicians. And that was in response to some of the experiences I've had throughout my life. And I've suffered a lot of trauma and been in some abusive relationships and had somebody very close to me with an addiction. And through all of my personal growth work, I just knew that there was women physicians who struggled with some of the same issues. And that's become my passion is really helping women physicians. That is so great, Dr. Stephanie. It really is important for, from what I'm hearing you say, it's really important for us as physicians, especially women physicians, seeing all of the responsibilities that we shoulder to make sure that we are presenting ourselves whole, right? That we are really dealing with some of those issues that we may have on the personal side that can then in effect, actually be detrimental sometimes to our career. Absolutely. And women physicians just, there are so many objective things that happen to us that's in the literature now, which is great. 10 or 15 years ago, they didn't talk about the pay gap and the decreased rates of promotion and say in academic medicine and decreased grants that we get, we get less papers published, we get less keynote lectures in our professional societies, there's less women in leadership roles. And then we have the other things that happen where like you get called a nurse or you get called by your first name and and sexual harassment. And, and you know, there, I'm not saying that men don't suffer sometimes from some of the, these things, but the majority are women who struggle with these kind of things. And then we know that professional women do 80% of the domestic duties on top of that. And it really becomes overwhelming sometimes. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that piece of your story with us. As you look at your work as a woman physician on the front lines, what does that look like? And who do you serve and what challenges do you face in that role? I am at the head of a group of obstetrical anesthesiologists, and we take care of really ill pregnant women. And we have had a good number of pregnant women with COVID, and it creates a whole other challenge when when someone is pregnant. And we've been put in some new situations. We've, we've really got it down now. But I would say initially when COVID first started, it's a little bit different when somebody can just come crashing through the doors of labor and delivery and you don't have really much time to get a COVID test or a whole bunch of questions when somebody's in labor or delivering a baby and then they need from an anesthesiologist. And, and there's so much so much interaction when a woman is in labor with the anesthesiologist. It was a, a whole new world for us as well as all the other healthcare workers. But it certainly is a challenge when you're, that you're putting your life at risk, taking care of patients. And we're all very grateful for the vaccine and where I work, I'm very lucky. We got the vaccines immediately. We've gotten booster shots. And so that's been a, a comfort. But it is difficult because we do know that we're seeing more
more miscarriages and fetal loss with COVID. And when you're dealing with patients who have to be isolated because they have COVID and they're going through these difficult things, it's a stress on everybody. Sure. Absolutely. It sounds as if, especially during this pandemic, that there was obviously this extra added right strain. You're already dealing with um, obstetrical patients who are ill or have underlying issues. And then on top of it, you have the pandemic, which can actually put just another strain on top of everything else. And I'm sure that that is not only taxing for the patients and their families, but also for the physicians and healthcare workers. How do you, as a woman physician, how do you take care of yourself? Like define for us what self-care means to you and what that looks like. I have a morning routine and I really believe in morning rituals. And I set aside some time for myself and I have to get up pretty early as an anesthesiologist, but I'll wake up at least 15 or 20 minutes early. That's usually 4.30 in the morning. And I'll spend 15 to 20 minutes in the morning by myself in an an area where I feel comfortable in my home. And I usually listen to some guided meditations and also do some breath work in the morning because that really gets you into a very relaxed state. And I do some stretching. I set my intentions for the day. And I actually will sometimes, if I know my day and where I'm going to be that day, I will actually think about conversations that I'm going to have and and things that I need to get done and consciously decide my focus for the day and how I want to show up in these situations with the people that I'm going to interact with. And so for me, that breath work and really not letting myself in the morning wake up and have my brain on a hamster wheel where I'm already like, okay, this is my to-do list. And as soon as I get to work, I've got to do this and do that. But just to break that cycle before I actually really start my day at work changes everything. And then things that I think are very important, which I do on a daily basis, is I set two alarms during the day, 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. to do some gratitude work. And it may be just 30 seconds just to think about something that I'm grateful for. And before I go to bed, I will always write down something that went well today because I think it's very easy, especially for women to just focus on, I should have done this, or I didn't do this, or I didn't didn't get my to-do list done, or blah, 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 and focus on the negative. And when you do that, it just sort of sets the tone for how you sleep and how you wake up. I love that. I love all of that, and especially the part about, well, I love the part about the morning routine. I I do think that's important, and I do try to do that myself as well. Sort of just taking time just to to focus and taking time to also prepare for the day. You don't just start off, like you said, just just sort of all over the place. And then setting the alarm, I love that as well, um, because sometimes we set intentions to do things and then we don't do it, but sometimes we need a reminder. I definitely like the, um, the advice about setting the alarm. That's great. Also, even if I'm in a stressful situation, say at work or even just in my personal life, I will do some of this breath work. And I tell my coaching clients that like if something's happening, just step away. It literally just takes a minute because when you do this conscious breathing, it really just drops your stress level from me and it works instantaneously. Mm. And, and do you do the breath work every morning? I do. I do it every single morning and I do it through most of the guided meditations that I do will have this breath work, but also even just on YouTube, just pulling up some breath work or there's certain apps that you can do that have guided breath work. And I think it's really coming well known as a relaxation technique because people are just, everyone 
sort of lives in this, we have to be on the go 24-7 mentality now. Mm-hmm. And this really can help with that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to um, be able to utilize some of the self-care techniques that you just mentioned. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I know that women physicians are vital to the healthcare system. I think we're all pretty much aware of that. And when we look at like the pandemic and how the lid has been lifted and exposed, not only healthcare disparities, but also workplace disparity, the lack of women, the lack of different mm-hmm. physicians. So how would the ability for us to really work on retaining women in healthcare help reduce those disparities and eventually hopefully improve care? We know there's just disparities in multiple areas, but if we're going to talk about women specifically, some of the things that I'm working on with a group that I'm the chair of a committee for women physicians is things like flexible scheduling. The way that we look at the way physicians practice, there's new paradigms. There's new ways to do it. Let's look at ways to make scheduling easier. Let's look at at ways that people can maybe work part-time and split positions. Or if they do take time off and they come back into academic medicine, they shouldn't be penalized as far as promotion and tenure. And looking at these, these paradigms that have been in place for so long, it's time for the healthcare system to start saying, how can we do this differently? Because we know that we need women and we need diversity among women. People, we know that people in marginalized communities get better care when their physicians look like them. And we need to have diversity in all areas of healthcare. Absolutely. And you mentioned starting for organizations starting to take a hard look at this and maybe look at ways in which scheduling might help that. What are some other things that you think organizations could do to support women in healthcare? Women in healthcare make up 80% 80% of the frontline worker and and that is all all comers in medicine not just physicians but nurses and and etc and so I think that the wellness piece is a big deal in healthcare. And I would speak especially to women physicians. We're struggling more with mental illness, especially since COVID. And a lot of the reasons are, again, the working all the hour, being put in situations you've not been in before, being concerned that you would bring the virus home to your children. A lot of that, again, has changed with vaccination, but there's still people are under a tremendous amount of stress. And it just... We have to deal with the wellness aspect of it. And those are system, mostly system issues. And that we know that the healthcare system has a lot of challenges. And some people would actually say the healthcare system is broken. And if you look at a healthcare provider, 80% of their wellness is out of their control. They have about 20% control because the 80% is the broken system. And so with people trying to work on the system, that's going to take a long time. People do have to try to get control of what they actually have control over for their own wellness. Because when you start to get a hold of that, you can deal with the system issues in a much different way. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. We also know that, especially during this time, during the pandemic, we've kind of in this now for well over a year. And a lot of physicians obviously work longer hours, see more patients, deal with obviously a lot of morbidity and mortality and are sometimes being pulled in 
different areas where they may not necessarily have worked before, trained before, which in and of itself causing a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. Given that we are still really in the throes of the pandemic and we do have still a great deal of vaccine hesitancy, what would you say to someone who is hesitant about getting vaccinated. I would. When when people asked me this when the vaccines were first coming out, what I said was, I don't think that the U.S. government is going to get the healthcare workers sick with a vaccine because then who is going to take care of the patient? And that's how I was looking at it then. And then with all of the millions of vaccines that have been given and the lack of issues with the vaccine, I just think, I know people are, it's very controversial and people have their views, but but I think the thing is that if, if you don't get vaccinated, you have to be just careful about the people around you and, and how you're taking care of yourself. Because as we know, this last this last surge had mostly had to do with people that were not vaccinated and how it overwhelmed the healthcare system. And then what has also been happening is that the with this latest wave, there's been a lot of abuse to healthcare workers. I don't know if you're aware of that, but especially in the ICUs, these patients and their families have been very verbally and sometimes physically abusive to the healthcare workers. Wow. And that put a tremendous additional stress on the system. Yes. Now healthcare workers are having to deal with workplace violence, basically, on top of Absolutely. everything else. Yeah. Well, yeah. People will say to me when I have a conversation, like, I never thought that I would have to worry about putting my life at risk. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, when you became decided to become a doctor, you made that decision. And I said, no, I didn't, did not. And if I say back to them, if it was your daughter or son or wife or husband, who was a healthcare worker, would your view be the same? And then they look at me and they're like, yeah, we didn't look at it that way. And the sad thing is, is that there's probably going to be a shortage of healthcare workers coming up in the next several years because of this. And experts in the field are saying that that the healthcare industry is going to be have been devastated by this as far as the healthcare workers themselves for decades and that we're really the effects are just going to continue to unfold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because if you think about it, physicians were already, and other healthcare workers, I must say, nurses and, and others yeah. as well, were already in the midst of even before the pandemic. Absolutely. Statistics for physicians are 50% and for nurses, it wasn't very far behind. Yeah. We were already dealing with those challenges and then then came the pandemic and it would be, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see in the next couple of years what comes of all of this because it's sort of a compound effect. We never really recovered from dealing with the burnout to begin with and then having to deal with another situation that just sort of added to that. Yes, absolutely. That's why the field of coaching, I think, is just a new horizon for healthcare workers and helping them deal with these issues. Yes, absolutely. What are you seeing in terms of the clients that that you're coaching? How do you help them to sort of move forward during these really difficult times. One of the biggest things is really for them to realize that there is so much that is out of their control. And it doesn't mean that you just give in and you don't fight the fight, but it means that you don't let the healthcare system suck the life out of you. And that 
what we what you do is we realize there's just some things that it is the way that it is. And when we stop resisting and actually then become very much more empowered, because I think a lot of physicians, we really feel like we become victims and that everything is just happening to us instead of for us and that we have no control. And when and, and there's three parts to burnout and the, what happens to us. And women physicians really get stuck in the lack of fulfillment. They feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing a great job anymore. Why am I doing this? I'm not a good doctor. And men get stuck more in becoming very cynical, but it really just starts to affect every area of your life. And when when you start to sort of look at how you're showing up in situations and, and really making sure that you're showing up as your highest self, when you, we actually start working through what's really going through your mind, like what are the thoughts you're having? How is this causing your feelings, actions, and results? And you actually start to realize through this coaching tool that you can get control of what's happening because everything just seems like it's out of control. And so when you start to realize, I really do have control over this. I do have control over how I feel and how I'm showing up. And I can start to decide on purpose. It's transformational. It transforms every conversation you have in your personal and professional life and every goal that you set. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely accurate. And I do think that coaching definitely is one of those tools that can help us to kind of move forward and and hopefully recover from some of the burnout. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And again, people are working on the system. It's just that it's going to take a long time. That's why if people can start to really get control of the part that they actually do have control over, because none of us that went into medicine really ever knew what we were, what we were getting into. And medicine is a business just like everything else now. And I, I really don't even like the term burnout, which implies that it's the individual who has deficiency. Really like moral injury is more of the term because it's just things that you see continually happening that ethically just don't sit right with you. Like if you can't order the right tests for your patients or you can't do this or that. And that those chronic like microaggressions that continue just it's like soul sucking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. As we kind of move forward in what appears to be still the the pits of the pandemic, how can we move forward to a safer and healthy environment? What do you see as as the... the Well, I think that's definitely just going to be unfolding as we see what happens here and if there's going to be more surges and and things. But I again, I think the main thing is for the system to improve and for people to really start to get a hold of their own wellness and realize that they're not, because they're in healthcare, it doesn't have to suck the life out of them and they can't get happiness back and joy back in their personal and professional life. They just have to make some steps to do that. Absolutely. And, and like you said, it's really just a matter of you know, paying attention to and working on those things that you can control. Absolutely. Because it's it shifts everything. And I think we all know no matter what profession you're in, if, you're, like, if your personal life is out of control, it certainly always affects your work. If we can just sort of get a, get a, a little bit of a handle and on what's going on in our lives, never going to be perfect. But again, are there ways that you can be taking better care of yourself physically and emotionally? Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Dr. Stephanie, this has been a wonderful conversation. And as we wrap up, I want to just ask, is there any last parting words that you want to leave for our audience? 
I just want to say thank you to everybody that is in healthcare and what they've done over this last teen months. And I think that people have seen things and had to do things. I cannot imagine you know, being an ICU physician or a nurse and you're the only person with someone who is critically ill and dying that they can't see their family and you're holding up the phone so that the family can say goodbye. I can't imagine the long-term effects of that on the healthcare worker and just to thank them for what they've done and to take care of themselves. And thank you for having me on this podcast. You're so welcome. Yes. And thank you so much for the work that you do as well and for the work that you do as a life coach for women physicians, because that's just as important. Thank you. And you you are welcome back at any time to our podcast. Thank you so much. And would you like to leave information on where our listeners can contact you, your social media handles, or if you have a website? Yes, absolutely. My website is physicianhealer.com and would love for you to go take a look. And I have a five-day journal that you can download if you'll be kind enough kind enough to give us your email address. And I think you'll find that very helpful in starting to get some awareness about the thoughts that we have every day, because we have like between 40 and 60,000 thoughts a day, which seems kind of crazy, but we always get stuck in the negative thoughts. And this journal will help you a lot. That's wonderful. Thank you for that resource. And that's physicianhealer.com. Physicianhealer.com. Yes. Thank you so much. Oh, you're so welcome. And thank you again. And you have a great rest of your week. Thank you. You as well. And happy, happy holidays. Yes, you too. Thank you. Thank you for listening today and for allowing me to be a part of your career journey. If you are ready to claim your seat at the leadership table and be the respected voice in healthcare, then join my community, Physicians Rising Up Leadership Circle, where physicians can learn the crucial skills they need to step up and lead and make positive changes in their own life and community. In the Leadership Circle, you will have access to monthly roundtable masterclass-level discussions that support you as a woman physician leader. You will have the opportunity to receive individual laser coaching during the roundtable sessions, You will have access to articles and videos to help with your personal and professional growth. You will receive a copy of my best-selling book, Physicians Rise Up. You will also be able to take the Leadership EQI 2.0 assessment, followed by a one-hour coaching debrief, as well as have priority access to upcoming events and also to the Leadership Academy. So if you are interested in learning more about the circle and joining a group of like-minded women physician leaders, then go to www.physiciansrisingup.com. That is www.physiciansrisingup.com. Take care. If you enjoy podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Nurse Wellness Podcast, hosted by Wendy Garvin Mayo, focuses on the power of stress management and how it's foundational to being your best, doing your best, and giving your best. There's a wonderful episode that you should check out called Letting Go, where Wendy Garvin Mayo shares six strategies to release control and manage stress effectively. Check out Nurse Wellness Podcast on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.